turn in your Bibles, and you need a Bible. There are Bibles here. There's Bibles in the back. If you don't, uh, uh, Dave, can you help us with some Bibles? I want everybody to see it because we're just going to read it and look at it together. Perception is reality. Say that with me. Reality is not reality. Reality is what you think reality is. If you think God is stingy, stingy is what you get. The brother, the, uh, the elder brother, thought his father was stingy, and sure enough, he didn't get much from his dad. If you think God is generous, generous is what you get. That's your perception, and your perception is what you receive. If you, receive, if you think God is loving and giving and caring, then you embrace that, and that is what you receive. How, how does, is our perception messed up? I can think of three primary ways. Anybody need a Bible? Raise your hand if you need a Bible. Anybody? Okay. Perception can be messed up by wrong decisions we make. Demas, who was a friend of Paul's, made a decision to go back into the world. How could he do it? There must have been some way that Satan skewed his picture of God and he thought the world would give him more than what God could give him. How disappointing that must have been. I hope he got back on track, but it doesn't say that he did. Second thing is your background, your, especially your parental background. That will help to give you a picture of a loving father or maybe a controlling, overbearing, manipulative, God, if your experience was that at home. Home is meant to be the nearest place on earth to heaven. It is sometimes closer to hell. How many had an experience where it was more like heaven? Heaven. It was more like heaven. How many had one where it was more like hell? Okay. So that's sad, and that, that affects how we look at God then. And we need to be healed of father-mother wounds. Or Satan. His mandate is to change our picture of God. And he did it right from the start, Genesis 3. He tampered with Adam and Eve's picture of God so that by the time he got done talking to them, they were wondering, God's just a little sneaky. God's holding back from us. And if you think that's the case, then... That's your perception, and that will be how you, you live your life. So perception is really important. I thought I turned that thing off. Sorry about that. I intended to. There. Okay. So Luke 15. Here we go. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, Give me my share of this state. Look at me. Would you have given it to him? He probably knew what he was going to do. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off in a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Why did the dad give it to him? If he knew that's what he was going to do, why didn't he say, you're not going anywhere. I'm not going to finance your walk into the world. 
God is the most powerful person in the universe and the least controlling. He is the least controlling. God has never used some kind of physical force on you to bend you to his will. Here is Jesus, and the disciples uh, saw others leaving because he started giving some hard words. And Jesus turned to his disciples, and here's what he asked them. Are you going to go too? He was not going to restrain them. God is not manipulative. He is not a micromanager. When he gave Adam the responsibility to name the animals, he didn't get behind over his shoulder and say, I don't think you should call that an elephant. <laughs> he wasn't telling him. He gave it to him, and he let him do it. As a young person, I remember one time in my life where there was a pull of the world in such a way that I felt like I might want to take a step. And as I thought and pondered that and just kind of moved in this direction, it was as if God said to me, go ahead. And I shuddered as I thought about it, that he was not going to restrain me if I chose. If you want to run from God, you won't have any transportation problems. Jonah found that out. God will not control you. He will not grab onto you. How does he control his love? Just the opposite of Satan. If Satan can, he'll possess you. He'll take away your personality. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you still are you. You've got your personality. You're the same quirks are there. The same joyful expressions are there. But it's the Holy Spirit shaping that inside of you. God doesn't control. Think about it. It's amazing. This father is representing a God. The son says, I'm getting out of here. And he knew he was going to have to let him go. And he hurt the whole while. He let him go. And there he is walking in the world. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. And he began to be in need. The father gives, the world takes. The world will suck it out of you. Anybody experienced that? I'm sure many of you have. You found out. You go out in the world and you think, hey, that's going to be a neat place. Well, it is for a little while. The Bible says that sin is fun for a moment. Moses chose persecution with the people of God, rather than to enjoy, what it says, the fleeting pleasures of sin. Sin is enjoyable, but then it fleets. It's, it's gone. And what you've got is shame and guilt and frustration and anger and disappointment and brokenness, broken relationships with God and with others. So here he is. He's in need. So he went and hired himself. Okay, now He was a son. Now he's a servant hired himself out to the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed swig, pigs. A kosher boy, that didn't, work, that didn't work well. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. That's a, quite a picture of the world. When he came to his senses, he said, how many? Now he starts thinking about life at home. 
He starts thinking about his father. How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? I'm an idiot. I am here starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. That's not a bad confession. He understood that sin is not just to somebody here on earth. I sinned against heaven and I sinned against you. I am no longer worthy. I want you to notice something now. The fact that you don't feel worthy makes you worthy. The moment you feel worthy, and who feels worthy in this passage? Pardon? Yeah. I've been slaving for you. I've been working like crazy. Ha, I deserve more than this. When you feel like I am worthy of more, you won't get it. But if you acknowledge it's all a gift. I'm not worthy. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, say a long way off, his father saw him, which says he was looking, and was filled with compassion. Compassion is a compound word. Come means with pathos means suffering. You know your, the amount of your love when you're willing to suffer with somebody. I remember in, when my sister Esther was in college and she was going through a struggle. I gave her advice and my mother just cried with her. She didn't follow my advice. But that mother, what, what that mother gave her, what my mother gave her was worth a lot because she was willing to suffer. Clearly, the, the mark of the suffering God is in the cross of Jesus Christ. He's a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and is one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we received him not. Here's a man who suffered all his life from day one. He knew about suffering, and yet he went through it for us. That's compassion. That's, that's deep compassion. So this is a picture. This father, his aggressive love toward his broken son who got dried up by the world, and here he is, he just wants him back. And so he's sprinting out, and he hugs his pig-smelling son. And Yeah. Well, that was a gird up, gird up your loins. That's what it meant. Take your robes and tuck them into your, tuck them in your belt. With his arms around him and kissed him. So here goes the son. He said to him, 
Father. I want you to notice that he calls him Father. Because not once does the, el does the elder brother call his father Father. You know why? Because he doesn't have a father. He has a boss. He's working for him. The son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servant, he interrupted him. Wait, 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 wait a minute. I'm not done with my confession. I still have to get through the confession. The father said, that's enough. There is in the heart of the Father the desire to forgive you. When he sees your heart, it's done. He's already forgiven you. He loves to extend forgiveness. Now, I'm sure you've had the feeling. I've had it. I've made other people feel that way. Will you forgive me? Yeah, I forgive you. Because I'm so wonderful. Not because of your anything. You may have said it, and you may have felt it. You may have felt they're giving him a partial forgiveness. He made the son feel like that was done. That life was passed in a moment. Two experiences with my father. One, I think I probably told you about it. When I borrowed the car, and I uh, brought it back, 1960 station wagon, and before I was dropping off some of the kids that were with us, Johnny and me, and uh, I drove into the driveway and I scraped it along a metal picket fence. And Johnny jumps out. Doesn't look good, Paul. Said thanks, Johnny. And I, I brought the car home, went inside, handed my dad the key, and I said, I'm sorry, I messed up the car. Here's what he said bound to happen sooner or later. That's all he said. That's all he said. I wanted to borrow it next time. He didn't say, and I remember what happened last time. That was done. Now, did that make me irresponsible? Should he have told me several times? He didn't need to. I felt so much love. I felt like I was worth I was more precious than metal to him. It made me responsible because I felt such love. Love heals us. Love enables us to do what we can't otherwise do. I went to Campus of Crusade for a summer. And I was a sophomore in college. And I learned a lot about church ministry. I came home and I told my dad how he could better run his church. He only had 30 years of pastoral experience. Then I became a pastor, and I realized this is not easy. It's tough being a pastor. How many of you know, you know, pastors have hard jobs. So I'm not wanting you to feel sorry for me. I was, I was mentoring some uh, pastors I, once a month, and one of them was in the corporate world. And now he's a pastor. And he said the corporate world was much easier because you have clear expectations. You have ways to define things so that you don't have people off the wall like you do in a church setting. So it, it was for him, anyway, it was 
much, much different. So I, I, told, I, I called my dad, and I said, Dad, I was an idiot to think I had anything to say to you about running your church. I'm so sorry. He said, forgive me. And he, for, he forgave me like it was no big thing. Never brought it up. That's how God does with you to the infinite. That's how this father did. He wouldn't even let him get through his confession. God loves to forgive you if we what? Confess our sins. He is faithful. Just forgive us and cleanse us. Goes beyond that. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's good at it. He knows how to do it. He doesn't hold on. After the tenth time, he said, Well, you've done this before, haven't you? He didn't stick it. How kind God is. What a loving, loving father he is. But the father said to the servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's, feed, let's have a feast and celebrate. Why did he go to the world? I think because he wanted a party, he wanted a celebration, he wanted fancy clothes, he wanted, to, he wanted to have a good time. And now he's getting it piled on him from his father when he gets back home. He said, well, why did I leave? I wonder why I left. I didn't get this stuff. They took, they took away, and now my father is so kind, he's pouring it out. He's giving them all these things to me. I hope you've experienced that. If you haven't, you will. If you walk with the Lord, you will experience. It's laughable sometimes how extravagant God is. It's, it's funny. And my kids have seen, seen some of that. And I've told them, you, you just watch, because God's going to show you just how utterly extravagant he is. So here's Jesus saying, fear not, little flock, for it is the Father's, what? Good pleasure to just wants to give us everything. It's all ours. We're kids. Father loves to share with his children. And so he loves to share with us what is his. What is his? Well, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and those who live in it. We've got it all. It all belongs to us. Because every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of love. You know how you get it? How much more will the Father give good gifts to those who, pretty complicated, pretty complicated. You see the flowers out there when you came in, out in the, uh, God, God showed me love in just a tangible way. He said, I really do like you. I really do love you. I love what you love. I love flowers. I love landscaping. And so I called Ace Hardwood. And I said, uh, I have a nonprofit. And I don't know what you're going to do with the plants when you get done, but maybe we can make this a win-win to give them to nonprofit. And uh, they said, well, that's a possibility. We'll, we'll call you next, later next week. I said, well, I'm leaving for Norway. 
But you, you're on your schedule. You've got to do what you've got to do. He said, well, I'll call Leslie. Five minutes later, Leslie called me and said, come on down and take what you want. I had to go back twice, and I had 39 flats, 39 of these flowers, herbs, ground cover. Did I like that? Did I enjoy that? It was like Christmas. <laughs> still, still putting them in. Why? I'll tell you one reason. Because God really, really loves me. And I feel it. Not because I'm good. If I thought I was good, I wouldn't get it. I deserve more. Too bad. But you realize he just wants to. He loves to. He loves to celebrate his kids. And so he loves to give. Bring it. Yes. Yes. And. My daughter is having a birthday in a week, and I, I'm going to go over and do some landscaping over there. We all enjoy it. So on the way out, look, we've got flowers. We've got more to, more to plant, but they're out there. Listen to what he says now. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Is that like God? How is it like God? Here's, here is the most crazy idea ever conceived. Let's celebrate for all eternity, nonstop, no pain, no night. Let's just celebrate forever and ever and ever. A lovesick God conceived of that because he loves to celebrate, and he loves to celebrate with his kids, so he wants more people there. That's why Dave is out in the streets with these gay and lesbians. To say, hey, we want you included. We want you in the party. It's going to be a party. So this father has a compulsion to celebrate his son's back. Let's celebrate. Do you, do you picture God that way with you? Does he celebrate you? I mean, does he get excited about you? Say yes or no. He likes your personality. He likes your personality, Jeremy. He likes yours, Jeremy. He likes who you are. He likes how you express things. He he's made you specifically the way you are so that you can show his glory, like that flower out there. Just show it in your own special way. And it's, it's, yeah, Mr. David. I hope that got on here. And you know what? You do that very well. You, you do a great job with you. You do you well. 
No one does you better than you. No one does you better. And, and so if you want to be like somebody else, they're already trying to be themselves. Let them be themselves. You be you because you're the best you there is. No one can be like you, Naomi. You can know. You're the best you we've got. I will keep you. Absolutely I will keep you. So he, God is not grouchy. It's not grouchy in heaven. It's not, you know where it is? Hell. There's no thanks. Can you imagine working for Satan? He never says thank you for that. Hey, you did a terrible job. That's wonderful. Let's, let's celebrate. There's nothing. There's no gratitude. There's just whining and complaining and bitterness and hatred. In heaven, it's just the opposite. There's joy and thanksgiving and and let's just celebrate. They're celebrating all the time, day and night. They're celebrating the goodness of God. And that's what heaven is. That's what we look forward to. In fact, the Bible says you put all your marbles in the kingdom to come. You live for the world to come. This is not our home. We're here for just that much. And so we live as people who are exiles. We're aliens here. And we're living for what is not yet. And we want to bring other people with us. <laughs> So he says, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older brother, how are we doing time-wise? We're doing pretty good. Yeah, another five minutes, we're done. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? Hey, come on, brother. You know, there's music, there's dancing. What's going on? Are you so out of touch you don't even know what's going on? Your brother, I like the way you said it. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf. Big party. I mean, that's a celebration. That's a big celebration. That's a lot of people because he has, he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look. This is what he calls his dad. He calls him, look. Look, all these years I've been slaving for you. Did he have a father? What did he have? Does God want bosses? Does God want s slaves? He's a father. Do you know why Karen and I had kids? because the dishes were piling up. And the lawn was growing long. And we needed workers to help us. So we had kids so that they could work for us. Yeah. Actually, that's not why we had kids. Now, if you ask them, did they work or do they work, they would have said, we worked a lot harder than the kids down the street. And uh, you know what I said to them? Why? Why they work harder? Because they don't live down the street. <laughs> you live here. So, no, that isn't why we had kids. We had kids because we love being a family. And we love to celebrate. We get together and celebrate. It's off the charts. We can't describe it. It's way beyond joy way beyond joy. It's just so much fun to be together where people are loving 
one another. And it is. It is a foretaste of heaven. That's right. Why we had grandchildren. Say more about that. I've never disobeyed your orders. Wait a minute. You're disobeying it right now. He won't, he's refusing to come in. He said, I've never disobeyed your orders. Not, not very in touch, this guy. Yet you never gave me even a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. He's not interested in being with the family. He's a, he's a worker. He's, he's, uh, he's on the edge. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, come home, you kill the fatted calf for him. If you were the dad, what would you have said to him? I hope you wouldn't have said this, but a lot of dads would say, you ungrateful wretch. Get out of here. Wouldn't, wouldn't they? That would be an, a, a pretty typical response for somebody who is that mean. Listen to what he says. My son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. That son had everything the father had. He couldn't access it because he was a worker. He, he was working hard for this father who was hard to please and stingy and wanted to hold on to things. Boy, did he see him have. But we had to celebrate. There's a compulsion in the heart of God to celebrate you. It's, there's a divine compulsion. We had to celebrate. God has to celebrate you. He's just in love with you. Because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. God, God wants kids. He wants more kids. That's why you hit the streets, because God wants kids. And so I want us to pray together. First, I'm going to pray with you, and then pray with maybe the person next to you. Uh, I just want to ask you now, what's your picture of God? Is it like this? Does he celebrate you? I mean, is, is life exciting simply because you've got somebody that created you to manifest him, like David said, and you're able to do that? It's possible that if your parents didn't know how to properly give you love, Maybe that was skewed, and it's hard for you to see that you're worth celebrating. Still true. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray as best you can. Just let your heart be open before the Lord. Parts of this Father may seem like a stretch of the truth to some people. It may, it may sound too good, too wonderful. Actually, it's more wonderful than, than we shared. It's more wonderful, more extravagant. You're, you're, we can't even say how kind you are. But some of us have not experienced that. And so we need to experience it so that we come to both appreciate who you are and who we are and how we
can reflect your goodness and your greatness in a very personal way. As I look out now and I see you, the ones that I know the best, I think so many different wonderful expressions of God's love and the people that he has made. So God, would you touch into hearts tonight any hearts that need their picture of you changed any who are struggling with their identity because they're not quite sure if they're worth it They're not quite sure if they're worth dying for. Not quite sure if they're worth an eternity of celebrating. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, comfort their hearts. Where where any who are broken in their heart, where any who are, who are just no, I'm, I just I've blown it too many times and. I, I just don't feel close to him. God, I pray that you would do something to, to tenderize their heart toward you so that they could embrace the truth, begin to embrace the truth about your goodness and your greatness. so that they could live the way you meant us to live. I prayed with a lot of young people for healing from a father wound. And if that's a desire, it could be a mother wound, it could be a pastor wound, someone significant in your life that you had a right to trust. And somehow that was maybe violated or, or uh, challenged. So I'd be glad to pray with you either tonight or some other time. I've got an article I could send your way about this as well. What we're going to do is we're just going to pray with those uh, you feel comfortable. You don't have to, but if you want to pray with somebody near you and uh, with something that uh, you heard tonight that you want to take, that you, you feel, yeah, I need that. That's for me. I need to receive God's love in a deeper way. I need to know his forgiveness. Or I need to sense that he really is pleased with me. Some think that God is walking around with a stick. Or that he's, he's just kind of, when are you going to get get it together? I'm just waiting for you to do what you're supposed to be doing. Like, don't you get it? 
And that's so far from the truth. So I'll be up here. Just spin around, person next to you, however you want to do it. And uh, pray, for, pray with one another. Vulnerability is a good thing, but it, it takes being in the right place with the right people to make it happen. So if, this, if, if tonight it doesn't work, I hope you hang on to the truths that you heard and that uh, you can get the prayer that you need. So go ahead. Just let's turn it into a prayer time.